whoa you went no contact with your family like you don't talk to them at all nope because they're toxic as fuck are you also the villain for walking away from your toxic family in order to preserve your peace welcome to the character outs podcast where i am on a mission to normalize going no contact with toxic family welcome all you terrible people let's talk about it Welcome to the Character Outs Podcast. My name is Terry. I'm so happy you're here. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you're coming back, thank you for tuning in and listening to sometimes my emotional harangues. Hopefully, though, filled with stories that help you on your no contact journey. So I hope everyone is feeling great today. I am over the moon, first of all, because my voice is kind of coming back, kind of, Um But my daughter bought me Hamilton tickets last night. Well, she bought me Hamilton tickets for Mother's Day. And we went last night. I think we were the most ridiculous people in the audience. Like, can you picture like our knees are to our chest? I had my hands in front of my face. I couldn't even believe that we were actually watching the cast of Hamilton and listening to the music. We were like fourth row. It was an incredible experience. I, we, we were just crying, mouthing the lyrics, obviously, because you cannot sing during an actual Broadway show. But it was, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. It was so amazing. If ever anyone can get to a local performance of Hamilton, or if you're ever in the city, Hamilton is a must. And also they stream it on Disney, so you can take advantage and watch it there or even just download the soundtrack. It's just, it's so good. But, and the music is incredible, the dancing, the choreography. But I have to tell you, I really crack up when the king, I don't know, for those of you who haven't seen this, you're like, okay, I'm losing you now, Tara. But the king, when he comes and sings, he is the epitome of the narcissistic mother or father. I'm gonna attach the song to this podcast weird I know like that's a resource but I just laugh because the lyrics are you know you'll be back you'll remember you belong to me you know and it's basically him singing to the founding fathers saying oh look at you you stupid stupid people thinking that you can be free thinking that you can think on your own you're so stupid you know I love you you're gonna be back to me and I I love it I just It's so strange, but I love it. So check that out because I think if you have a narcissistic mother or father, which I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you do listen to that song and you're going to crack up. So welcome. So today, I don't even have my notes in front of me. Here we go. Today, we're going to talk about the cycle of abuse. We are going to talk today about the round and round cycle of the narcissist. We are going to talk today about why... The cycle, the relentless cycle of pulling the narcissistic mother back into your life after she has discarded you will not stop. It will keep going. The cycle will never stop. We're going to dig into that today. For me, it pertains to my mother. For some of you out there, it might be a father. Um, You may have an aunt or an uncle that's a narcissist in your life and you have this cycle. Um, but today for me, it, I'm going to be speaking about my mother. She, if you don't know my story, she is a covert passive aggressive narcissist. And I didn't realize, I didn't learn that she was a covert passive aggressive narcissist until I was older. And interestingly enough, she always spoke about my grandmother as being the narcissist. You know, my grandmother was very beautiful. Looking back, she was I don't know if she was vain or if she just enjoyed nice things and that intimidated my mother, perhaps. Looking back, she just took care of herself. And I think that probably intimidated my mother to a degree. So when she would speak about the narcissist, my mother, I as a child, which is so weird, would think, well, you're speaking about Grammy being a narcissist. So you're familiar with what a narcissist is. So certainly you're not a narcissist because look look how you're trashing Grammy and calling her a narcissist. Like that just tells you as a child how you you cling to everything that that parent is saying. And as I grew and as I learned and as I really started to educate myself on my type of personality as well as the type of personality that my mother has, 
I read a book, which I've mentioned before, it's called The Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissist. And that is what described my mother to a T because my mother was not a cop. Well, she's still alive. She is, I haven't talked to her in three years, but I imagine that she hasn't changed. She's not a very confident woman. She's very self-deprecating. She, you know, would beat herself down and speak poorly of herself while giving me backhand compliments of, oh, oh, you look so pretty. Oh, I'm so fat, that kind of thing. So growing up, I knew that my mother's self-esteem was in the shitter, you know, and of course that was my responsibility too, right? So here is the definition of a, and I'm sure there's several out there, but according to psychology today, this is the definition of a covert passive aggressive narcissist. What characterizes the passive aggressive narcissist is their barely disguised sense of superiority, conceit, and entitlement. They're inclined to become covertly hostile when they don't get their way, no matter how unreasonable. If the world doesn't revolve around them like they think they deserve, they will devise many subversive schemes to make the lives of those around them miserable. So that is the covert passive-aggressive narcissist. Some of you may have overt narcissistic mothers. So the overt narcissist is generally characterized by grandiose attention-seeking entitlement with an inflated sense of self, which is commonly expected of. They are arrogant and preoccupied with fantasies of being successful with wealth and power. So in my opinion, there's, there's some similarities, right? But from what I grew up with and from What I've seen, because I've had other narcissists in my life, I've had overt narcissistic friends, I've had overt narcissistic boyfriends, Um, but my mother, I think the main difference between the covert narcissist and the overt narcissist is, I think, how they manipulate their environment for control, what they do to gain control. And the overt narcissist, in my opinion, seems very strong. They don't use quiet manipulative tactics. Now, again, I'm generalizing from from my experience. The covert narcissist will use very sneaky ways in order to manipulate you. So let's talk about how that pertains to us as adults. I encourage you to get to know yourself, really educate yourself on the narcissist in your life. It's very healing and it helps when you are at that point of walking away. Because I'm just going to say it, they're never going to change, ever. The narcissist has been in this cycle for years. We're just now waking up to it. I know my mom had a ton of trauma and perhaps she just couldn't deal. And I've often said that about my mom, like she was spinning. She lost two brothers. She lost a baby at birth. You know, her husband cheated and left her and she did not have the ability to cope. She did not. And I believe that those traumatic things that happened to her just made her spiral. I believe that as you grow and as you become an adult, the difference between the narcissistic mother as a child and as an adult are completely different. But here's the thing. They're never going to change ever. If there was any person on this planet who wanted the cycle to stop, it was me. So let's talk about the cycle of the narcissist. I remember growing up in the 80s, you know, I didn't have access to therapy. I didn't have access to TikTok talking about all these fun mental health words. I had no idea what was happening. I thought it was totally normal. When I finally started to talk to my mom as an adult, the only way I could communicate to her what she did to me as a child, I'd say to her, but mom, you you took your love away from me. You isolated me you made me feel like you didn't love me anymore. And my mother had isolated me from everyone. She told me my father was an asshole, which, spoiler alert, he is actually an asshole and did turn out to be an asshole. But the only person that she taught me to have a relationship with was her. The only person she said that I needed in life was her, that we were best friends. And so when I really realized that was the first thing that came to my head 
as an adult and I started looking back on my childhood and processing, I was like, oh my God, like there were times that I felt alone and isolated. And the more research I did, it was so empowering and healing to think, oh, I wasn't the only one. Like that was textbook narcissistic behavior. And I'll say it again, and I'm going to say it again many times throughout this particular episode. If something is textbook and predictable, why aren't we believing it? Why aren't we trusting it? You know, if a road says dead end, it's a dead end. Do we hope that there's maybe a construction crew that came through and now it's opened up and, and it's going to lead to the beach? No, you'll never get water out of a rock. Never going to happen. There are some scientific things that go against the law of nature. And, and we believe that, right? So why is it so difficult for us to believe that our mother or father is a narcissist? We have seen the patterns. We have felt the abuse. Why do we keep thinking it's going to change? It's never going to change. You will be in this cycle for the rest of your life. I'm not here to tell you to go no contact if you aren't ready. I encourage you to set the boundaries first. I encourage you to maybe go low contact first. But there will come a time in your life when you've had enough. It will come. It's just the amount of trauma that you're going to have to go through to get there. You know what I'm saying? So I encourage you to do the research. And I've said this quote before on the podcast, the most dangerous weapon to the narcissist is an educated empath. And the more you educate yourself and the more you understand that this is textbook. When we go to school and we're taught a scientific concept, we don't question it. That's how it is. That's how it's always going to be. And so I get that it's our mom or our dad. And I get there's societal norms with, oh, it's your mom, it's your dad. And I get that there's guilt. And I get that for some of you, there's religious ties and how can you do this? But just take a step back and think about it logically. Take the emotions out of it. It's not going to change. It's textbook. Interestingly, as I was researching the narcissistic cycle of abuse, so many articles on relationships came up. Relationships between a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, that kind of relationship. And while I could extrapolate some commonalities, right? It's not the same. You know, this is a relationship between a child and a parent. So it looks a little different. So I was so excited. I came across this article by Psychology Today that was really eye-opening and really presented the narcissistic abuse as it pertains to a child and a parent. So the abuse cycle, according to Psychology Today, the source is Dr. Christy Lee Hockenberger, and I'll attach the link in the show notes. Number one, there's a defining event. This can be a fight, an argument, an actual issue, or a created crisis. No matter the reason for the drama, the peace and quiet has gone on too long. And this word goes back to, it's not us. So if it's not us, we can't fix it, okay? It is our narcissistic parent who feels uncomfortable with peace, needs to cause chaos. And who's their pawn? It's us. So what do they do? They cause a fight. They create drama when they feel unsettled because chaos for them feels settling. And that's also a fallout from the trauma of a toxic family. For so many years, chaos felt normal and peace felt abnormal. And I had to fight that as part of breaking these toxic generational cycles. I had to fight, oh my gosh, I feel peaceful. I need to go fuck this up right now. <laughs> you know, um, not normal. Peace is normal. Chaos is not. <laughs> Fighting, you know, having an argument with your spouse, disagreeing and, and raising your children, totally different than the chaos and overwhelming, debilitating chaos that you felt in the toxic home with your narcissistic parent, right? So I remember things would be fine. And I remember one particular time, um, my mother had gone to the doctor and I had done something that she didn't like. And I don't remember what it was, maybe asked to go to a party or 
It was innocuous. I remember being completely blindsided by, again, her drama. And she walks in the door, storms in the door. She had just come from the doctor. And I remember sitting in the kitchen and I see her storm in. And I'm like, Mom, Mom, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Everything's not okay. Storms to her room, slams the door. Well, as a child, all of a sudden now you're in responsibility mode. Okay, here we go. What does she do? She got my attention. She got the chaos back in the house. She got me to the next step. Number two, regaining control. So the argument shifted the power back to the narcissist and the victim is now taking the blame and the responsibility of apologizing, calming the fight by giving in. And I remember thinking as she was in her room, oh my God, like, was she just diagnosed with cancer? Like, oh my gosh. And, and, and I remember thinking, again, I don't remember what the event was that led to this, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, and I just treated her terribly. And, and now I need to make her feel better. And I need to comfort her because I'm, I'm the only one that can make her feel better. And so what did she do? She got control back. And now here I am trying to comfort her, trying to make her feel better. So what did that teach me? That taught me that number one, do not speak up, do not do anything that makes her angry because that's the reaction I'm going to get. You know, and then as a kid too, you're thinking, oh my gosh, and I don't want to make my mom mad because, you know, what if, what if she's dying? Horrible. Then number three, well, let's go back to number two as she's now regained control. I don't know about you, but as a child, I remember going into her and going to her room, knocking on the door sheepishly, mom, can I get you anything? Are you okay? And at first, of course, you know, very cold. I don't want to talk right now. I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. And so I had to wait. So there was time that had to go by. She was taking her love away from me until I really learned the lesson that she wanted me to, right? So eventually she would come out of her hole and we never really talked about it. I think a couple days later, she got the test results back that she was worried about and everything was fine, right? But she took that opportunity to rein me back in, to get her control. And listen, yeah, did she, did she have a, a bad doctor's appointment that day? Like, I'm not questioning that. I, I think that she did go to the doctor and get some unsettling news. But it was the way that she used it. But the whole point is she used it that very morning I had spoken up either against her or I'd asked her or I had hurt her feelings. And it was basically like, I am all alone now dealing with this medical trauma and look what you did. And the whole point was to regain control over me. And that led to the third part of the cycle, which is peace and quiet. So this is the cooling down period. Things seem peaceful but do they really seem peaceful? Because let's face it, this cycle, this particular cycle, I was probably late adolescence, early teen. I'd been through this cycle my whole life. So there's really no peace. You're just waiting for the next cycle to start up, but you don't even recognize it especially for kids in the 80s. I, you don't even know what's happen, happening. You just think, oh, this is a normal family. This is how every mom acts. And then there's a really messed up part of you that's so thankful for the peace and you just want to like be quiet and relish in it and you don't want to do anything. You just want to keep that mom happy because you're, you're loving the peace because the tension and the chaos and losing your mom's love, oh, we don't want that. We want to avoid that at all costs. So lesson learned, right? So here we are in this peaceful stage until we get to number four, the tension buildup. The narcissist gradually begins to feel that they are losing power and control and they need to create drama or exploit a minor issue. And where does that lead us back? To number one again, 
the defining event. So for me, I was like, yep, that was my childhood. That was my childhood. It was my adolescence. It was my young adulthood. And it was my adulthood until the final day she walked out of my house and I had been through therapy. I recognized it and I said no more. You guys, I would still be on that same cycle. It does not change. They do not change. It's a cycle. It's never going to break. There will not be a logical conversation. You will never hear this information and say, walk up to the narcissist, walk up to your mom or dad and say, oh my gosh, mom, you're not going to believe this. Like maybe you don't realize what you're doing, but did you realize that there's a cycle of narcissistic abuse? Did you realize you're doing that? Um, they already know they're doing it. We're the ones waking up and going, oh, huh. So as my daughter and I were having um, margaritas and tacos last night at Hamilton, she, she said something really poignant. She said, you know, sometimes when you're in this cycle, and she wasn't even referring to the narcissistic cycle. I just took that and, and applied it to this episode because it was just so pertinent. She's like, you know, those like spinny things on the playground and you're spinning 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 and nobody, nobody gets off. Everyone's just like, oh, this is totally normal. Like here we are, we're spinning, we're nauseous. <laughs> we want to throw up in our soul. It doesn't feel right. And then we step off and we're still a little like shaken and like bleary eyed and feeling a little dizzy and kind of still waking up, kind of getting our, our sea legs and standing on our own two feet and then looking and going, whoa, because guess what? That thing is still spinning. Your mom, your dad, they're still on that. They're still on that cycle. They're still on the playground spinning and spinning and spinning. Maybe someone else jumped in. They always need a supply. So there's probably someone else in there now that's in their cycle. I mean, think about it. Think about scientific momentum. Do you question that? <laughs> I don't mean to make you feel ignorant. I'm just speaking from my heart and from frustration because I was in this cycle for too long. So we don't question momentum. We don't question it. An object that is put into motion stays in motion. Now, I probably totally botched that because I am not a science major. I'm an elementary education major, okay? But think about that. It's going to stay in motion. We have to stop. We have to get off of that spinny thing on the playground, which I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? I don't even know. doesn't even matter. It's never going to stop. There will never be a conversation that will open your mom's eyes. Narcissists are incapable of empathy. Any empathy you see is a reflection. They don't have it. So you will be perpetually feeling dizzy, feeling like you want to throw up, confused as to why this keeps happening. And again, you're going to be like, but it's my mom. It's going to seem so confusing. And I think that's why I don't think it's easy to get out of a narcissist. It is not. I'm just going to say that. It is not easy to get out of a narcissistic relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It is a fucking nightmare. Okay. I've been through it. It's toxic and overwhelming. But after surviving a relationship with a toxic narcissistic boyfriend, you can put the label on it and say, it was my boyfriend. You know, kind of fuck him. But it's not as easy to say that about your mom. So it's so important for us as we're on this no contact journey. And maybe you haven't stepped off the spinny thing and started your no contact journey yet. Maybe you're like, I'm afraid. And I get it. I remember sitting in my therapist's office in my late 30s crying to my therapist saying, I I I'm afraid. I'm afraid to stand up to my mom. I'm afraid to make boundaries. And that's because it goes back to the cycle that they taught us that fear of being without them. It's so palpable. We don't even want to go back to that, but we need to realize who we are, our worth, that we're not going to be in trouble, that we're not bad, terrible people because our mothers emotionally abused and manipulated us. We're not in trouble for stepping off the spinny thing. We're doing it because it's never going to stop. She's not, she's not going to stop it. One of my favorite quotes, and I've probably said it before, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. 
I don't know who said it. I'll I'll link it into the uh, show notes and make sure I give credit where it's due. But believe it, not the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the 50th time or the 51st time. When someone shows you who they are, believe it, even if it's your mom, even if it's your dad. And I know it's hard. And it's hard for us because as children, we saw, we've felt, I apologize, we didn't necessarily see the abusive behavior, but we felt it. And that's why I always encourage you to revisit your story, revisit your past and own it. And you may not, you may not have seen it as a child, but go back to those feelings. How did you feel? It was gross. It was icky. It was yucky. <laughs> that is valid. Hang on to that. You may not even be able to put it into words yet, but just trust yourself. And of course, the narcissistic mother, she doesn't want us to trust ourselves. She wants us to doubt ourselves and just keep going back to her. So again, when you see a sign at the end of the road that says 15 miles till the love shack. Okay, I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> I had to. Um, no, if you see a sign at the end of the road and it says dead end, you're going to keep driving? No, you're going to say, that's a dead end. I'm going to turn around. Would you adopt an alligator and bring it into your pool? Because, oh, I'm from Florida. I love alligators. I'm just certain that I'm going to be able to domesticate this alligator. I know it. It's just going to float and have cocktails with me during the summer and it's just gonna swim and it's gonna be amazing and this alligator's gonna be my bestie. Like, no, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do it. And it is such a stretch, but I had to add some levity. Believe what your narcissistic mother has showed you and understand it's never gonna change. And I say that for you. You need to know you are valuable. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of people treating you with respect, especially the person who is supposed to show you the most love. We learn our, our first impression of love is our mom. So whatever fucked up version that we're given, we believe it, but we can't. You have to understand what you've been through and embrace what you've been through and get to that place of empowerment where you know, listen, this, this is not going to change. I am jumping off. Don't ask a million people their opinion. You know, of course, I'm not encouraging you to go through this by yourself. Pour yourself into resources. Pour yourself into people and, and especially a therapist, a hypnotherapist, a psychologist who understands and gets it. But I know... I used to go see my therapist and then I, what would I do? I'd come home and, and I would talk to my friends and it would completely negate and go against what my therapist had just said because you want to be societally accepted. You know, you're sitting in the therapist's office and they're telling you, I remember my therapist, my very first therapist years ago, it was almost 20 years ago now, she looked at me and said, Terry, you do know you will never be able to have a relationship with your mother. I hated hearing that. I didn't want to hear that. And I know that I had to go through my journey and I had to get on the spinny thing. And then my mom would kick me off the spinny thing. And then I would go back on the spinny thing. And my mom would kick me off the spinny thing. I had to go through that journey for myself. And I believe that you need to go through your journey. And I'm just encouraging you that when all of a sudden you wake up and you realize this is never going to change. This is now affecting my mental health. I'm aware of it. It's okay. I'm not a bad person. I'm going to preserve my peace and I'm going to say no more. That's okay. So here's the part that kind of breaks my heart for all of us who've experienced this narcissistic abuse. You know, there comes a point in our life when we wake up and we all of a sudden see this imperfect woman or man who has been mom or dad in our lives standing before us. We see their trauma. We see their imperfections, right? And we also see, oh my gosh, look, look how you're hurting me. Well, we are not narcissists. 
And I think that's another funny thing because I hear from so many people like, well, what, what if it's me? What if, what if I'm the problem? What if I'm the narcissist? If you are asking yourself if you are the narcissist, um, you are not the narcissist, okay? Because the narcissist does zero self-reflection. Most of the time, zero therapy. No looking back on their behavior. How could I have done that differently? There is, there's none of that. But if you're an empath, you think logically, right? If someone comes to me and says, Terry, you, you really hurt me. I'm going to be like, oh my, okay, let's talk about it. Either I lashed out intentionally, I'm not perfect, and let's talk about it and I'll apologize, or I literally had no idea that that hurt you and what, what can we do to fix it? So oftentimes, as empaths, we look at the narcissist and think, oh, well, surely she just doesn't know what she's doing, you know? And if I just sit and have a conversation with her and say, listen, like that's where I was at the beginning. Like, oh, I'm just going to tell her. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't realize. And that I think is the saddest part to have to come to grips with is this. You are just waking up. But this behavior, your mom, her behavior, the sadistic, insidious way that she has treated you your entire life She's like a fucking 30-year criminal who's gotten away with shit, and now the FBI is on to her. So she's not going to sit down at the table with you and say, yeah, I'm sorry I did that, or admit anything. It's like the typical defendant who is clearly guilty, and what do they plead? Not guilty. She's not going to ever own anything. And if she does, I actually have had my mother own things temporarily only to take them back, whether it was a year or two later to take them back. Why? Because it doesn't change. She's not going to change. She's not. And I don't know if you can relate to this too, but you know, as a child, you have no choice but to be on the spinny thing. You have no choice but to be stuck in this cycle. So the narcissistic mother feels, oh, I got her. She's never getting off. She's mine forever. I have trained her. She is my pawn. I have convinced her she needs me. I have convinced her we're best friends. She's not going anywhere. And if you are an adult that starts to wake up to the narcissistic abuse and manipulation and control that had been done to you your whole life, for me, my mother panicked. She was like a rat in, in a corner, panicking. Because it was like her life and her MO was crashing down. And let's remember what begins the cycle and event where she feels that she's losing control. That initiates the event. And then she's going to start a fight. So as an adult, it just gets worse. So I want to say my cycles as an adult started like this. She kicked us out of the house. That estrangement lasted for about two and a half years. And then she found out that I had broken up with the boyfriend that she hated and thought she could control me again. The exchange began via email. I remember working, I was working at the casino and opening her email like, oh God. But then there was also a part of me that was like, oh, it's my mom, like she's back. Like that was just once, you know, that, that, that was just, she was just angry, like, and you know, I, I was kind of being messed up too. And I wasn't being responsible. Like, really? Like I, I blamed myself too. <laughs> it's never your fault. Okay. None of whatever happens to you is your fault. It's not you. It's, it's never you. It's never going to be you. It's them. Anyways. So we eventually got back together. Then she and I went on vacation I actually met my now husband while we were on vacation. He lived in New York at the time. Isla still lived in Florida. And I think she thought it was going to be a fling. She actually started talking to him first. And it's a funny story because I thought he was like married and or had a girlfriend at the spa or both. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I am not talking to you. But she kept talking to him. And she even said to me at the hotel room later, she goes, see, it wasn't that I don't want you to be with anyone. It was just that I didn't like him, my ex-boyfriend. You know, so weird. Well, the relationship between Scott and I blossomed. We actually had a long distance relationship and we got engaged. 
Well, she lost her mind because she felt like she was losing control. This is not what she wanted. And we got engaged and I'll never forget, got engaged in Jupiter. She lives in Coral Springs. So we drove down to Coral Springs to show her the ring, right? I mean, you'd think she'd be excited. And I was with my stepdaughter and she wanted to see Gia. She was like, well, where's Gia? I think she was like 11 at the time. She was like, well, I want to see Gia. So I'm calling Gia. No answer. I know she's there. No answer, no answer. And so I had the code to the garage and I was like, well, maybe something's wrong. Like, so I'm calling her, nothing. So I go in and she's like in her room, locked in her room. I was like, mom, like, hi. And I think I had texted her before, like, hey, can we come, can I come down? I want to show you the ring. Like, we're really excited. She was a fucking mess, fucking mess. And God bless my stepdaughter. She walks right into my mom's room. Um, hey, Kia. My mom sat up in bed like, uh, uh, um, um, and she's like, daddy and, and, and Terry got engaged. You know, do you want to see the ring? And she was disgusting, just disgusting, but she didn't discard me. What she did was try to control me by whispering to my children, oh, New York is a terrible place. New York is so dark and disgusting. And so she'd, she was going behind my back to my ex-husband, to my children and my kids, especially my son would come to me crying and he'd be like, mommy, I don't know if I want to move to New York because Gia said it was bad and dark and ugly. And I was like, <sighs> so I had a conversation with her and I said, please respect my life, respect my choices. If you want to be in my life, you, you may not talk about those kinds of things with my children. Deal, deal. And then some months, some weeks had passed maybe. It wasn't very long. And my friend had invited me over for lunch and she sat me down. And I don't know if I've told the story before, forgive me if I'm repeating myself or maybe it's new to you. But she sat me down at lunch and she was very, very emotional. She goes, I don't know how to tell you this, Terry, but your mom is planning on hiring an attorney to get your kids away from you. And I was like, oh, huh. So I called her and I said, is this true? She didn't deny it. And I said, I'm not sure I can get over this one. And that was it. That cycle ended. Well, of course, what do you think happened as I'm planning my wedding, feeling guilty? I brought her, called her, brought her back in. We flew her up for the wedding. Um, it's uh, uh, so annoying. Like I just kept reaching back, expecting something different. And I got the same every time. So we flew her up for the wedding. And what does she do? Disrespects my husband and my house. I pulled her to the side. I said, that may have flown in my previous marriage. That is not going to fly now. And all of a sudden, I got very anxious about having her at the wedding. And it was literally like 24 hours before the wedding. So my husband and I stayed up all night the night before talking. And I was like, I can't, I can't. I have to draw this boundary with her. I can't. And do you think narcissist likes boundaries? No, they don't. They hate boundaries, okay? So my husband and I went downstairs very calm and we're like, listen, I think this was too much too fast and it's our wedding and I'm feeling very unsettled and I, I, I think this was too much and I'm really sorry, but I can't have you at the wedding tomorrow. So she packed her things and went home. And I said to her, I said, listen, I'm not cutting you off. I don't, I'm, we're not doing that anymore. I'll, I'll call you after the honeymoon. And, and it's going to be fine. I think I called her after the honeymoon and she didn't answer my call. And I realized that I was being stonewalled, you know, because what? I protected myself and I have no regrets. Our wedding was fantastic and happy and fun and peaceful. And there was no one toxic in that room. No one. It was amazing. And I don't regret that at all. Actually, there was someone toxic in my room. My, my father and stepmom were in the room, but they hadn't reared their ugly heads yet. So anyway, so then of course, the next cycle begins. I, I have a baby. No, actually, I call her when I'm, when I'm pregnant, feeling guilty and try to bring her back into our lives. This time, the boundary was she wanted to stay after like we brought the baby home from the hospital. And I was like, listen, no, like this is a special time between my husband and I, we just want to be with the baby. And she kept pushing. Well, why can't I go stay with my friends? Why can't I just stay in New York? You know, da, 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 da. and I was like, no. And I stood firm. I said, we leave the hospital. You go home. You can come back in a couple weeks, but this is my boundary. Hated it. Didn't like it. So 
cut me off again. So then, of course, a few months later, we were on vacation. I was feeling guilty and missing my mom. What do I do? Reach back in and jump on this mini thing again. And this time, let me think, it was, we brought her on a cruise with us. And this time I realized boundaries aren't going to work. So in order to have a relationship with my mother, I just need to be fake. Like that's what I need to be, just fake. And I think that's today why I'm so not fake because I can't be fake. <laughs> like I will be respectful. And if I'm not going to be respectful, I'll remove myself from this situation. Not to say I'm perfect and it'll fly off the handle sometimes. I do. I'm a firecracker. Yes. But I realized that, oh, there's not going to be ever any healthy communication between my mother and I. That's not going to happen. And she's never going to respect a boundary. So I just kind of have to continue to tiptoe. And that's, that's, that's what I'm going to have to do if I, have to, if I want my mom in my life. Like that's what I had to resign myself to. But I kept it at bay because she was in Florida. We were in New York and I could kind of control it. And then COVID hit. That's when you can listen to that no contact moment episode where I talk about the whole demise. And that was the last time I was like, no more. Like, what am I doing? No more. So that's just my experience as an adult with the toxic cycle. And I'd still be on that toxic cycle. I would still be on it. And I'm so happy I'm off because yes, when you jump out of that cycle and you jump off that spinny thing, it feels really gross. You feel sick. You feel like you're going to throw up. You feel like you can't walk. You can't see straight. And it's so akin to how we feel when we step away from the narcissists and from their abuse. But guess what? What happens? All of a sudden, you regain your clarity. Your eyes get focused. You remember that you're not unstable. You remember that the dizziness goes away. The nausea goes away. And you, you keep taking steps forward and you don't look back. I'm here to just empower you to keep walking. Again, this is not a podcast about reconciliation. This is about if you are at that no contact moment and you have done everything, you have read the books, you have listened to the podcast, you have cried to your mother or father for boundaries, and you continue to get disrespected, it is okay to walk away. Do it for yourself. Do it for your children. And you are not a villain and you are not a terrible, terrible person. So I, I get it. You're an empath. You are honest. You're compassionate. Are you perfect? No, no one's perfect. But you would never hurt someone, tear them down intentionally, manipulate them, use them, use them and use fear to control them. And especially a mom. Like we can't, it wasn't until I became a mom that I'm like, I can't even wrap my head around. Like I couldn't even read a book or like go to training to do this to my kids. Like it's, it's just completely foreign, but it's also foreign for us to receive it. It's, it, it's like, wait, this is not right. This is not normal. So when we're raised by a narcissist, the constant barrage of confusing messages, number one is overwhelming. And the ability to comprehend what is happening is almost impossible to comprehend because we're filtering it through how we would behave, and how we would respond. And I venture to say it's the same when we're dealing with our narcissistic parent as adults. We're filtering it through, well, I would never do this to my daughter or my son. Like, I must be missing something. If I could only do something different, then this would stop. No. The narcissistic mother, especially the covert, Passive-aggressive mother is a very, very wise, wise beast. She is stealth. She is smart. And she is a chameleon who will interpret your behavior, sense your emotions, and carefully extract personal information out of you without you even realizing. And why is she doing that? She's putting it in her little purse, all to hold over your head in the future and to keep you under her control. She's like a KGB spy collecting intel that she will use against you. 
But here you are thinking you're having a normal conversation. You're just sharing and being honest, hoping to bond. But what are you doing? You're giving her fuel for the future, fuel that she will use against you. So as an adult, between the conditioning as a child, the societal chatter, the need to feel like we're a good person, you keep jumping on the ride with the great expectation of not being thrown off. I want you to ask yourself, why the hell do you keep getting on the ride? Why do you keep getting back on? Is it fear of losing her? Is it fear of being alone? Is it fear of what people will say about you? Find out that fear. If you haven't gone no contact yet, I want you to, to think about that. Sit with that for a second. Why are you afraid? And ask yourself, well, why? And then put yourself in the worst case scenario. That's what I always love to do. Well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Someone's going to say shit. Who cares? Your mom's going to be mad at you. Guess what? Your mom's going to be mad at you at some point anyway. Will your family disown you? Maybe. Take it to the worst case scenario. Can you live without your family? I say it very flippantly, but take it from me. I live without my family. I have created family through my spouse, through my children, through my close friends that I've brought into my life. And will it suck? Yeah. Does it suck? Yeah, it does. But it's better than getting on that fucking ride again. And don't be afraid to protect yourself and your peace and your children. You're not a bad person. You're not. And I'm going to say it again. That cycle is never, ever going to change. And I wanted it to. Oh my gosh, did I want it to. I forgave things she did to me without an apology so many times. And the cycle remained. And unless you're willing to give her everything, and I mean everything, that's the only way you'll have a relationship with your mother. It's the only way. And for me, I realized, and it's so creepy. It's like, it's like the epitome of a horror movie. But for me, I realized that the only way I would be able to have a relationship, quote, healthy with my mother is if I did the following things. I left my husband. I moved back under her roof. I became financially dependent upon her or we became financially codependent. And I gave her my kids to raise. And we would watch movies together every night. And I would cook her favorite meal, make sure she had plenty of wine. That would be the only way. And I realized that. like, That would be the only way. And even then, even if I did all of that, because she's a narcissist, because she will not ever change, because peace is not normal in her life, chaos is, even when she has everything, she will start that cycle again and create chaos and she'll want more. You will give everything and she will ask for more. So that's it, friend. Again, come join our Instagram community. We're having fun over there with a little bit of snark and laughter about this whole no contact journey, the fun, the ups and the downs of it. So come join us on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you. And I'm going to say it again. My email and my inbox is always open, characteroutspodcast.com. If you're struggling, I don't want you to feel alone. Um, if you need encouragement, there are so many other resources, but I am also here for you as a friend. And I just want to say just, just for a minute, I encourage you to sit quietly. You know, I've been thinking a lot about meditation and hypnotherapy. And the cool thing about that is it quiets your mind. It, it takes the chatter so we've got chatter of current day, present day responsibilities. We have chatter of things that need to be done, but we also have this chatter of negativity that's been 
playing on repeat since we've been kids. And so I just encourage you to just get quiet with yourself, whatever that looks like, sitting on the beach, sitting in your room alone, maybe putting on some music, maybe getting a coffee and just being in your car, right? Whatever safe space it is for you to get alone. And I want you to take a deep breath, to tell yourself you are worthy to tell yourself that you deserve better, to tell yourself that you can do it. I wasn't always this strong, believe me. And I want you to figure out why you're so fearful to walk away if you haven't walked away yet. And sit with that, sit with the fallout a little bit. Think about why. And if you have a therapist, talk to that therapist about it. If you don't have one, I encourage you to to get one. Because listen, as children who've come from toxic families, narcissism, we've got a lot of shit going on in our head. (laughs) And we've been told either we're making it up or it wasn't that bad or we just need to deal with it. And it's interesting. I follow this, um, this woman on Instagram. I encourage you as well. Her name is Yasmin Brooke. And she recently had this uh, reel... And she said, you know, shout out to all the people who, whose childhood trauma left them crying all the time, working through their trauma, struggling, depression. And it was interesting to me because that's not how my trauma has manifested itself. For me, my trauma is fight or flight. Fuck you. I'm a firecracker. My trauma, I feel, has made me strong. And I realize that there's a lot of you out there who your trauma has made you weak. And now you're in this weakened state and you're like, okay, Terry, now you're you're asking me to do something that I don't think I can do. So again, I just encourage you to share your story with someone safe. Talk to a therapist. Go to hypnotherapy if you have access to it. And don't be afraid because you're going to make it and everything is going to be okay. I promise you that. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being you. Whether you're feeling weak right now, whether you're feeling strong right now, I applaud you wherever, wherever you are. Whatever you're dealing with and however you're dealing with your journey is commendable, friend. So cheers till next time. 